This is The Cable. Big bid on 10-year treasuries over the last week. Is this just a political fight, some political theatre? A lot of people saying, no, thank you, step back. You're saying, get in, why? Your connection from the London market close to the US market action. It is too easy just to blame Brexit. Surely it can't be anything means bye-bye-bye. The Cable. An historic moment from which there can be no turning back. With Jonathan Farrow on Bloomberg Radio. Good afternoon, good afternoon to the City of London. I'm Jonathan Farrow. You are listening to The Cable live across the capital on DAB Digital Radio. It has just gone 5pm in the City of London. I'm hoping we have some listeners before the long Easter weekend. I'm sure, Charlie Pallet, someone somewhere is in a pub drunk. No. Listening on the Bloomberg app. No, my bet is somebody's stuck on uh, the M1 somewhere and yep. they're listening to us uh, in I'm the car. That would so be I'm my bet. I'm thinking of you. I'm thinking yeah. of you if you're stuck in the car yeah. right now. Thinking of the equity ball this quarter as well. The FTSE 100 down about 8% on the quarter, the worst quarter since September 2011. It's been that rough. The FTSE 100 a little bit firmer to close out a week that's been positive in London. The FTSE 100 up by almost two tenths of 1%. Gains across the continent as well on the equity benchmark in Frankfurt, Germany. The DAX up by 1.31%. And finishing out March strong on the S&P 500, we came into today with a monthly loss of 4% and potentially the biggest monthly loss in more than two years and we trim that monthly loss we are positive by 1.14% on the day and up by 1.19% on the Dow. Elsewhere in the bond market a bid comes into Treasuries a significant one over the last couple of days and that bid sticks. Yields lower by three basis points in today's session. The US 10 year comes down at 2.75% the US 30 year that bond yield south of 3% and the two year note just bleeding a little bit lower as well by a basis point to 227. In the FX market, the story for the US dollar against everything mixed against the Japanese yen, which is stronger, and a British pound, which is weaker. So that means cable moves lower to 140.31. On the day, this Thursday, we're down by a third of a 1%. So that gives you a cross-asset feel of this market. Let's get you some top stories as well and get over to Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet. And I thank you very much, Jonathan Farrow. Urias Skripal, one of the victims of the nerve agent attack in the UK, no longer in critical condition. That's according to the hospital that's treating her. Her father, Sergei Skripal, remains in critical but stable condition. French President Emmanuel Macron pledging to spend one and a half billion euros over the next five years and allow expanded data sharing to help make France a leader in artificial intelligence. Macron says France will take steps to loosen rules on experiments and offer incentives for researchers to work in France, though European rules on privacy will still apply. Exactly one year from today, mark your calendar, Britain scheduled to officially leave the European Union. Prime Minister May will spend the day touring the country to gauge the mood of the nation. Right now, though, she may uh, may not like what she hears. A Bloomberg investigation that included 133 interviews of Britons found those divisions have only hardened since the 2016 referendum between those who wanted to stay in the EU and those who wanted to leave. Latest from the news desk, Jonathan Farrow, back to you. Tom Keane told me the Prime Minister was going on a tour and I didn't believe him. Yeah. Tom, is Tom ever wrong? I, well, on stuff like that, <laughs> yes, he makes it up. Um, Paul Dobson in London, is the Prime Minister really going on a tour of the I country? I think she's finished here, hasn't she? Haven't you been following her on Twitter today, Jonathan? No, no. Did she, what, she went on a one-day tour was of the at, country. With, at, a, at a nursery group in Northumberland this morning. She went for lunch at a cow farm in Bangor in Northern oh, Ireland. Oh, it was a proper one-day tour. Think so, yeah. Uh, he, he made out that was, he, Tom made out this morning that it was a twelve-month tour of the United Kingdom. That's her job, though. And he said well, to me, "How's she going to do it on a helicopter, or or in a jet?" 
and I said most likely a bus or a train. Yeah, that's what I was suspecting. <laughs> was it a bus or a train, Paul? No, because she went to Northern Ireland. She must be something faster than that. Yeah, maybe she was on a helicopter. I've got no idea. Tom, so Tom 50, made fifty percent of the story up. Then she uh, went on a tour. It just it was for a day and not a year. That's a good <laughs> I think, ratio. I think it, yeah. All right, Tom's like fifty percent accurate at the best of times. Um, Charlie Pallet, thank you, sir. We'll My catch up with you in about twenty-two minutes' time. The big story for global equity markets has been the rout in technology stocks. The recent sell-off leading equities potentially to their worst quarter since. 2015 in the United States. We're going to have a little listen to what some of our guests here at Bloomberg have been telling us about the route in tech. The market can uh, stabilize a bit with some uh, red prints in the tech sector. The party might be not as not as smooth, not as not as, uh, as not as much longevity as perhaps was initially thought. And I think that's that's weighing on them, and also uh, the, uh, the intense the intensifying regulatory uh, scrutiny on the sector. I think those are both. Giving the market some pause. History says if you look at government interference with technology markets, so you saw IBM in 1969, you saw Microsoft and Explorer near the top in 99, 2000. This is an indication that the love affair, the hot hand of technology stocks, is getting colder. This could be a uh, could be again a wholesale change in how uh, these tech companies uh, use the, uh, the the data they collect on consumers uh, and users rather, uh, and how they monetize that. And I think that. That's, uh, that's the key concern from, from the market's perspective. It's hard to see tech really falling apart at the seams as opposed to just underperforming the market more broadly. Quite a lot of the gains of the broader market last year were centered in tech. Uh, and so if we do get a fundamental reassessment and a, you know, goodness, a, you know, a medium-term change in the regulatory outlook, then, then yes, that's a potential negative. You were listening to George Perks of Bespoke Investment, Ryan Roberts of MCM Partners, Peter Borish of Quad Capital, and Michael Metcalf of State Street Global Markets. Pleased to say that Paul Dobson is with us, the team leader for Bloomberg Markets Live blog in London. I didn't just ask him a single question and then he was going to run away after filling us in on our Prime Minister May's tour. Also joining us, Lucy Meekin, UK economy reporter. Paul, it's too easy just to pin this route, this equity volatility, the vol shock of the last month on just one sector. But um, tech a big part of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's probably the most expensive um, of the sectors, and so you know the one that has the most to fall. Although interestingly, in the US, it's still one of the best performing groups year to date, despite all of the the turmoil and the tumour that we've had, you know, and today we've got a bit of a rebound going on, haven't we, in in most of the FANG, although uh, Amazon under pressure after after the latest um, broadside from the president. Who would have thought that a tweet by the president could, um, could move equities as much as he has done over the last 18 months or so. Uh, Lucy Meekin, great to have you with us on the program. Not so much about tech, but just in terms of the economy and how it's improved over the last quarter. Has it actually improved? Because when I look at the surprise indexes of uh, Citi and others that just looks at the economic data coming from, say, Europe and the United States, it's been somewhat disappointing, hasn't it? Yeah, I think there's a bit of a feeling that the UK's done really well, but actually it's not all that. Um, and also, the end of last year was really weak. We had data today, and although it wasn't revised any, it was already so. This fourth quarter GDP data was revised lower once to zero point four percent, and today it wasn't revised lower. But as they put it, it's a weaker zero point four percent. So we were saying, well, hang on, services have been downgraded, and they're the biggest yeah. part of the economy. And the guys at the uh, stats office were saying, well. Yeah, it's it's a weaker zero point four percent. I love the so idea that it's a weaker. What does that mean? It's it, a it basically is a, round, is a rounding. It's a rounding thing. So it's still okay. it's still the same headline number, 
but it's not quite as so good as, as so as long as it's like three point five, it's still what well, yeah zero yeah. point exactly. Yeah, you know, we we, are, we asked them to take it to another decimal place, and they were. Not having it. <laughs> they were really not. But we, we did try. We did try for you. Paul, we're, t- we're taking things to extra decimal places, but quite clearly um, <laughs> things aren't that great. In a year that people said earnings would be terrific, and to be fair, they have been, and expectations for them to get better are still in there. But the global economy, this synchronized global growth story that we all got sick of hearing about at the turn of the year, I don't hear so much about it anymore. Do you? Certainly not. No, the synchronized slowdown is what everybody's talking about now, right, Jonathan? Um, uh, you look at the um, the rest of the world and not the US. That seems to be what's going on, uh, where the slowdown is. Europe topping out. The PMIs have come off very hard. Other indicators suggest that growth isn't just you know, easing off, but it's really slowing. Um, and if you look at some of the export data coming out of Asia as well, you know, there's a sign that things are not anywhere near as good as, as, as you might hope. If you look at the Australian uh, markets, for example, this is a good one. You'll like this. The Aussie dollar being beaten up. You know, if that's one of the best proxies that we have for trading China, then that tells yeah. you, you know, things are, things are not sound. Maybe it's just that everybody was so ridiculously excited about the, the global growth story. Like you said, we were sick of hearing about it, that we, got onto we the, were a bit complacent. Everyone but, got um, to yeah. the one side of the boat. Uh, Paul Dobson sticking with us, Bloomberg's very own, alongside Bloomberg's Lucy Meakin. Staying with me, next up on the programme, an M&A boom in Europe. This is The Cable with Jonathan Farrow on Bloomberg Radio. You're listening to The Cable live across the capital. On DAB Digital Radio, this is Bloomberg Radio. We're sterling down for a third straight session as we head into the long holiday weekend. Cable at 140.28. Gilts look a little something like this. Gilt yields just lower again by another basis point. Call it two down to 135 on a UK 10-year. And in the equity market, we actually finish a positive week by a couple of percentage points on a FTSE 100 and close out Thursday up by 0.17%. Lucy Meekin's going to tell you how your home value is uh, doing now. How are things in terms of house values in, in the United Kingdom, Lucy? Um, I don't really want to put people on a downer just before the long weekend here. But it's not honest. great. But just it, bear in mind that most Brits brilliant. sit around a table and talk about housing. They that's do. The thing. They do. That's, that's basically all we talk so about. So it's the family. It's the family gets together and talks about I don't know cryptocurrency and losses in the United States. <laughs> I, I imagine they'll be talking about house prices in the UK. Yeah, and basically, if you live in Brent, if you're a Londoner and you have a house in Brent, you'll be happy. But that's all I've got for you. No one, no one that's else. That's it. In Why it. Brent? That, that, is, that is it for London. Why Brent? It's a good question. I think basically the centre of London got overheated, or particularly overheated. Interesting. And the slightly further out areas have continued to do better, whilst the centre is done badly. And now Brent is the only one really still going. You know how this um, works, Lucy. Typically when the numbers are good, people say despite Brexit, despite Brexit. And then when the numbers are bad, they say because Brexit. Is there a because Brexit in here somewhere? Yeah, um, I, you can take it either way if you want to, you know, depending on your view on Brexit, you can make your argument either way. The pound's been weaker, so if you wanted to buy a London property. It's true from abroad you could do and that was going to be quite a good quite a good deal for you uh but opposite ways if you're a worker in the uk from another country i i live in islington very french area not so many of them wanting to buy houses there right now because you know you don't you don't know what your situation is so much we do have more certainty now but it has been that has been an issue and um estate agents have said that 
Paul Dobson. There's one. Sorry, there's one sorry, guy who gone. every one guy who every month in response to the property questionnaire that goes out to all the estate agents. Yeah. He just puts one word, and that is Brexit. Really? That's yeah. how he feels he's out been, the... he's, been, he's been doing it for about a year now. <laughs> he's clearly not having um, a decent year. Um, <laughs> Paul Dobson, rates. Have rates got anything to do with this? The Bank of England, the prospect of higher interest rates? I think that's definitely one of the considerations for um, new home buyers. Uh, yeah. Um, it, you know, a, a, lot of the, a lot of the UK is based on... Um, tracker mortgages uh which are going up so that makes people maybe want to sell more and uh you know people who want to fix now are facing higher rates with another couple of rate hikes priced into the curve the building societies or the the banks aren't going to wait around to to make those loans you know and so what's interesting is uh you know i i appear on your show with dave goodman quite often and he had a story a couple of weeks ago talking about how many extra people those interest rate increases are going to push into poverty or push over the over the poverty line yeah and and it was quite a a striking statistic you know the the rate hikes one of the downsides of them is that they hurt the poorest people more and probably disproportionately more paul dobson team leader uh, for Bloomberg Markets Live blog with a really, really strong point. And if you want to read that article, I'll try and tweet it out a little bit later. Uh, the Bloomberg Markets Live blog team leader for the City of London and Lucy Meakin, UK economy reporter, who I assume actually reads through all of the responses from the estate agents um, in the UK. <laughs> Is that what you've done, Lucy? I'm not saying I do it all the time. But you I actually just, went yeah. through all the responses. We, we did have a little... We, well, we tried to... We tried to... And found this one... Tell you everything. Can we, we, want you can to we name him on radio? Or is it anonymous? Uh, you know what? I actually can't remember his name. Oh, but I, you can I actually find out his you. name. You can, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he they're, just they're writes all listed Brexit. where they are. Yeah, Brexit. Every <laughs> single time. Just one word. That is brilliant. Paul Dobson and Lucy Meakin sticking with me as we drive closer to the long holiday weekend in the United Kingdom. Friday through tomorrow. Monday. The prices uh, for the market as follows. The FTSE 100 closing a week out uh, by 0.17% and sterling just a little weaker. Cable 140.27. This is Bloomberg Radio. This is The Cable with Jonathan Farrow on Bloomberg Radio. You're listening to The Cable live across the capital on DAB Digital Radio. This is Bloomberg Radio. As we close out a trading week, a shortened trading week for the Easter holiday weekend, Friday through Monday, the FTSE 100 positive at the close up by zero. 0.17%. Positive on the week by a couple of percentage points. I can tell you on the quarter, down hard by 8.21%. The biggest quarterly loss on the FTSE 100 since the back end of 2011, September 2011. Doing some maths for you on cable, sterling against the US dollar. We are now negative for every single quarter for the last five quarters. We are positive, rather, for every single quarter for the last five quarters. Cable up by 3.82% over the last quarter. This stronger pound story just continues to come through north of 140 in this quarter. And we stay there just just at 140.30, despite the fact we're down for a third straight session and on the day off by about a third of 1%. In the gilt market, the story for UK government bonds as follows. On 
10-year gilts. Yields just bleed a little bit lower. We're down by a basis point on the day to close out at 135 on a UK 10-year. And just to round things out through the asset classes for you, I'll make my way to Brent and WTI. Brent crude positive on the day by six-tenths of 1%, just south of $70 at 69.95. And WTI positive by about a half of 1% at $64.73. I woke up this morning in New York and I looked at the latest news and all I could see, Paul Dobson, was M&A. Deal flow, more deals, more M&A, and Renault and Nissan getting together, um, streamlining a nearly 20-year alliance. What is going on with mergers and acquisitions in Europe right now? Yeah, well, all, all what is going on with mergers and acquisitions out of Japan right now, maybe. Is, Interesting. Uh, another thing Good point. Uh, the Takeda uh, Shire um, possible hookup is another one. Uh, Renault-Nissan, obviously, like you were talking about, and SoftBank, uh, Swiss Swiss Ray, that's right, isn't it? Uh, another really big one uh, in the making, potentially. Um, so, so from that perspective, I find that kind of interesting. You know, the Japanese um, companies clearly have a lot of uh, cash on their balance sheets and need to use it somehow. Um, so it looks like they're uh, they're coming shopping. And again, you know, the, there's lots of opportunities out there in Europe as well. There's a good sense, this is an interesting one, there's a good sense in the um, debt markets, in the short-term debt markets, in the corporate loan market. It's not too difficult to get a hold of funding still for those big deals. But the window's not going to stay open forever, Jonathan. You know, Mario Draghi's getting closer to uh, the end of the ECB QE and yeah. then after that raising rates. So if you want to get these deals done with the best finance terms possible your your window is closing and we're starting to see credit discriminate a little bit more for the big companies out there and i'll find a bit of time to talk about this later on this program um, about credit for the big companies that have been burning through cash and have been been supported by the credit market to do that and support equity growth eventually um, the story has been netflix and tesla and those credits have been beaten up so i just wonder Paul, how much longer the credit market's going to support some of this and some of the dream-like stories that are being sold to, to equity investors? It's definitely not been a good quarter for investment-grade bonds in particular. Those have been the ones that have felt some of the wobble, and admittedly, some of that is due to the moves in the Treasuries market as the benchmark and in the short-term interest rate markets, the LIBOR markets, where uh, there's also been an increase in the rates. On the other hand, you know we're still near to those historic lows. It's not like you know, suddenly every deal is going to have the door slammed in its face because people can't get hold of the cash. There's still plenty of liquidity sloshing around, right, Jonathan? So um, it's true. There's still still opportunities out there, and you know now we've had a little bit of pullback in the equities market for those that want bargain hunters and have just been watching the market go up and up and up and thinking they're targets are never going to be able to come back within reach again you know maybe this is a time to go out and do some grabbing as well to what extent paul is this just a japanese yen story that's um really supporting some of this activity i think um the yen itself is kind of interesting it's been strengthening a lot hasn't it uh over this quarter yeah uh, more than the boj would want and um and and you know there's a lot of pressure on Japanese companies, on, on Japanese investors, on Japanese banks to get out of the Japanese bond market and go and do something else with their cash um, because the interest rates are negative and the Bank of Japan is still buying the bonds. So they you know they need to find something. They need to find some kind of an outlet. And also the BOJ want, doesn't really mind if they're spending money abroad because it has the effect of weakening the yen. It might well be that there's a big flood of Japanese interest into government bonds uh, over the next quarter. Now their fiscal year has ended which which happens over the Easter period. So um, Europe is one of those places where there might be 
drawn in like a magnet. And in fact, you know, European bonds have already been outperforming. There's a possibility for that to carry on going. Uh, Lucy, just to finish there, I mean, you've followed the bond market for a long, long time. What's behind how supportive the European bond market has actually still been at a time when many people are thinking about the end of QE and the ECB stepping back? I don't see that filtering through to the bond market in Europe at all, not in a significant way. No, I think you're right. It's not in a significant way yet. And I I do think that people are very used to this ECB supportive environment. You know, people have people have had this era of easy money for a really long time now. You, you've got to remember this has been going on for so long and it, it, we still don't have this particularly clear end point either. Yeah. It's not like they're going to suddenly, put, you know, turn off the tap. I think that they've been very clear they want to, you know, do this in a gradual way. And, you know, I don't think people are going to be too worried. Like Paul says, it's not it's not going to be a sudden drying up of credit. It's going to be a gradual process. They, they don't they don't want to cause any problems. And if they do start to see problems, they are going to, you know, hold back a little bit. So here's the important question. Does, does the former bonds team at Bloomberg still buy each other Easter eggs and before the <laughs> Easter holiday? Does that happen? I think it's every every man and woman for themselves when it comes to eating chocolate. Oh, you don't share. <laughs> we, we used to be one of the largest consumption teams for cakes and chocolate. I remember because Lucy yeah. used to bake. I these did. days, these I days did. we're all streamlined. When you know, healthy. You and, don't see uh, each other. Jonathan. Lucy doesn't make cakes anymore. Now we've broken up. We're, this is yeah. really sad. sad. sad this sad is times. really sad. Oh, well, now I need to bake over Easter. Well, I'm never coming back. I won't yeah. be coming back to London if there's no cake. Well, if you come back, we'll bake you a welcome back. Will you? Will you actually? Yes. Will we get the Bonds team back together and yeah, do we'll a one-hour special? Party. We'll have a one-hour special. Can Dan, can, can Dan Tillers come? Cake. Can we get Dan involved? We'll get everyone. We'll get everyone involved. Lucy yeah. Mickin, UK economy <laughs> reporter, Bloomberg's Paul Dobson. Guys, really appreciate your time. Have a fantastic Easter. Enjoy your long holiday break. Thank you very much. We continue the conversation. Next up is Tesla. This is The Cable with Jonathan Farrow on Bloomberg Radio. This is The Cable, live across the capital on DAV Digital Radio. You're listening to Bloomberg Radio. Let's begin by getting you some top stories. Really pleased to say that back with us in the studio is Bloomberg's Charlie Penn. And delighted to be here, Jonathan Farrow. Exactly one year from today, Britain's scheduled to officially leave the European Union. Prime Minister May has spent the day touring the country, gauging the mood of the nation, but she may not like what she heard. A Bloomberg investigation that included 133 interviews of Britain's found that divisions have only hardened since the 2016 referendum between those who wanted to stay in the EU and those who voted to leave. Yulia Skripal, one of the victims of the nerve agent attack in the UK, is no longer in critical condition. That's according to a hospital that is treating her. Her father, Sergei, remains in critical but stable condition. And French President Emmanuel Macron has pledged to spend one and a half billion euros over the next five years and allow expanded data sharing to help make France a leader in artificial intelligence. Macron says France will take steps to loosen rules on experiments and offer incentives for researchers to work in France, though European rules on privacy will still apply. Latest from the news desk, happy Thursday, mate. Jonathan Farrell, back to you. The hyped-up leadership of Emmanuel Macron, 12 months as Stock 600, negative on the year. 
despite the enthusiasm of 12 months ago about what Emmanuel Macron and his politics would mean for the rest of Europe, for growth and for companies across the continent. That's my rant. Vince can have one in a moment. Um, Charlie, what happens at Easter at the Pellet household? Have you got the wife an Easter egg? Uh, no, have not, as a matter of fact. I'm not, sure go what, out and get I, no, I'm not sure what the plans are yet. To be determined, I, as they I say. I imagine Charlie Pellet's <laughs> the kind of guy that waits for like Sunday to happen and then goes to the store Sunday evening and, and, and then picks up an well, Easter egg. Well, let me, at, let me, like at Dwayne Reed. Will they like be on sale by then? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but let me flip the question back. Jonathan Farrow here in, the, in New York, New York, family back in the UK. What are you doing for I Easter? I have to say, it's going to be like it's going to be quite tough for me because in the UK it's a real family occasion, and of course my family's in the UK. Aww. So um, a, a British friend of mine, him and I, are probably going to spend the morning and go to the gym together on Sunday morning. Cue the violin music in <laughs> yeah, the background exactly. there. I, I'm, I'm hoping that you got me an Easter yeah, egg. All of a sudden, and that I'm, egg from Dwayne Reed's uh, looking pretty good, mate, isn't you, it? Are you going to get me an Easter egg? <laughs> Will you go to Dwayne Reed and get me a twenty yeah. cents egg? Yeah, Monday morning I'll be thinking. Will you? That sounds good. Will you? Will you, will you actually? Yeah, some of those I'd little yellow that. peeps. Of course. I did pretty, what are the peeps? Some little peeps? You don't know what peeps are? No, I do. No, they're oh, those they weird are. marshmallows yeah. covered in yes. that yellow sugar, and they're disgusting. They're and, awful. And I agree Just with our I... listeners in London, if you never made it to the United States of America and they start talking about candy, and don't eat it. Just don't eat it. It's just not the same. It is disgusting. You know, it's funny because I was on Queensway just a week ago. There's a store. All they sell, nothing but American candy. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. You got oh, all this good disgusting. Cadbury chocolate all oh, over no. London. You, you, and don't, you don't realize how good you've got it until yeah. you come here and start yeah. trying to eat. Yeah, um, And it's just night and day. But, Charlie. But I just want to say, peeps, it, it, it is impossible to explain to a UK audience just what a peep what, is. Because what, even the Americans in this studio can't really Dwayne explain Reed's what Dwayne Reed's giving a great plug. Peep um, is. Yeah, you'll, you'll find him at Dwayne Reed, um, which if anyone doesn't know what a Dwayne Reed is, it's like going to Boots. It's kind of like going to Boots. I think it is going to Boots. Well, it is, yeah, because it's Boots, <laughs> right. Walgreens. It is, yeah. Walgreens, Dwayne, Walgreens Dwayne Boots Reed. Alliance. Yeah, so it is yeah. It is basically you're going to Boots, um, but it's called Dwayne Reed. It's a little bit different. It's not quite as clean. Um, Charlie Pellet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there goes the plug for Dwayne Reed. <laughs> well, I think Dwayne Reed had got so much free promotion on the program. Let me tell you, there are other reputable stores across the United States of America that will sell you peeps or other marshmallow-like ingredients and products covered in yellow rubbish okay did i cover the did i cover the lack of promotions that we, we're not allowed to do i did my producer says yes we can carry on um the president beating up amazon today vince i mean it just can't get away from the nonsense here um the president's saying he's got concerns about amazon he's had those concerns since before the election on twitter he said amazon pays quote little or no taxes to state and local governments and then I speak to the analysts and they say, actually, you know what? There's not much you can do about it anyway, but the stock's still down. Your thoughts? Well, you know, he's playing, this is again, the political game. This has the same issue of tariffs on steel and aluminum, where it's relatively impossible to make, uh, to see a resurgence in steel and aluminum production in the United States. Yet, it, it plays to the chord that he played in the election or leading up to the election of the America first, America jobs, et cetera, et cetera, yeah. where somehow or another people think that we're going to be bringing back mom and pop stores all over middle America to compete with the likes of a Walmart, Amazon, Costco, et cetera, and it's just not going to happen. And I have to be really honest, you know, when I hear people say that Amazon killed retail, the market killed 
the high street retailer, not Amazon, and the market being the groups of individuals that have now decided that they'd rather shop online than mm-hmm. shop on the high street. And those groups of individuals have made that decision because of price and because of convenience. Now, Amazon certainly turns up the volume up on that story, and they're the success story in that space. But I don't think it's entirely accurate to say Amazon killed the high street. Well, it's the market it, that killed it, it, the it high is, street. But at the same time, and if I, it, I'm not 100% sure of the number, but I'm pretty close. I believe they had 44% of the holiday retail sales over the past December, November, whatever, how far back you need to go for that. So, Well, then when, doesn't everyone need to do a better job of, uh, of providing yeah, e-commerce? Uh, uh, everyone else needs to step up and be competitive with Amazon. But if they are undercutting by price, then you do and you can argue that there is, I use the word monopoly loosely, but there that they do have an unfair competitive advantage if they can outprice everyone in the market. Lan, we've got used to a president that tweets about markets and and I thought the reaction function of investors had changed. I thought we we were ignoring a lot of this now. But apparently, we seem to be really plugged into this administration. And all of a sudden, I do feel like the market has become really headline-driven. And, and some people will be listening and laughing and saying, when wasn't it? Like, it has been for, like, the last five years. Every headline were all over the place. The Fed this, the Fed that, hike yes, hike no. But I do feel like more so relative to years gone by, we seem to be much more headline-driven at the moment. Why do you think that is? I think... Most of the investors I've spoken to do think that the headlines are really making a huge difference this year. And I think it's because um, we're getting policy by Twitter. Uh, It's very unpredictable. It could change the, you know, actual economic policy outlook for the U.S. It's not just bluster. And so it's kind of unnerved people because we wonder, okay, you know, are, is this trade war actually going to become a thing? Do we really have to pay attention to it? And so far this year, um, policy has been dictated by Twitter headlines, and I, uh, investors are very unnerved by that because you know we don't have the traditional signaling factors. Yeah, when the White House and I remember this this quote stayed with me, and it, it wasn't mine. It was I remember it was a commentator or something on on mainstream news in the United States, and essentially when when the White House spoke, it meant that it was policy. That, that's what it used to mean, and, and, and now you don't know <laughs> at all. Well, no, there were, I mean, there was a time when you would hear, what, I mean, we in the trading business, we call them tape bombs. Something would come across the wire. It would be a significant economic uh, news event, whether an actual event or something from the White House or 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 Congress, for instance, and it, or other nations, and it would move markets. Now you get these little blurbs all over Twitter all day long, and the algos are tuned into this. So yeah. you're getting this this hyper rate of of tape bombs hitting and moving markets and you have to pay attention as a trader because they're moving markets i mean the algos are tuned into it it's moving it it can't be traded it matters to you because it matters to someone yeah you can't see it with the naked eye really it's you know if if i see it and i say it over a squawk line i turn around and and look at the the asset class it's attached to it's already moved yeah it's 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 already on its way Vincent Signorella, sticking with me, Bloomberg's macro score analyst in New York, alongside Lanan Ewan, Bloomberg FX bond reporter. Sticking with me, next up on the program, we're going to talk about fixed income. Tesla having a rough time of it through the week, not just in the equity, but in the debt as well. That conversation's next with the pressure piling up on a CEO, Elon Musk. This is Bloomberg Radio. This is The Cable with Jonathan Farrow on Bloomberg Radio. Whoa, 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 whoa. Lenan says to me, 
we need some hot cross buns, to which I say, yes, you're damn right. I need to go and find out who sells hot cross buns in the United States of America. <laughs> to which Vince replies, is that the one with the egg in the middle? What? There, there is a, a, a Easter thing. What are you talking about? The cream egg. I think he's talking about the no, cream egg. No, 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 no. There's can, a... can someone in London send Vince Signorella? It must be an Italian-American thing. In, Blo- in Bloomberg. Just send it to the office, by all means. A hot cross bun. It, you know, an American... Th- it's it's. What, do you have a bun with an egg in the middle? It, it looks like a hot cross bun, but there's a hard-boiled egg in the middle of it. What is that? I've never personally eaten it because well, I'm not a fan. Who gave but... you that? No, no one gave it to me. I've seen it in a bakery. That's, what bakers? It's an Italian bakery in Italian-American communities. <laughs> you, you're really trying to make, <laughs> make stop me. I don't believe you. I don't believe you at all. Are you making this up? No, well, I'm not. There, I'm serious. There's a pastry... Carolyn O'Brien, our, our producer, KO, is there a pastry with an egg in? There's, she says yes. Lana, have you ever seen this? I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know about. what you... It's good luck. I'm, I'm told it's a good luck thing. Right. Well, right. I've, I've, honestly, I've never heard of this. I'm Googling so it. So apparently we've got to go and find a hot cross bun well, I have to find and it. a pastry with an egg in the middle. Okay. All right. Um, let's get to something else before we lose some listeners quick. Um, Tesla, I'm mean, in, in trouble, Vince, and it yeah, feels like it so. feels like a doom loop. Moody's downgrade them. They downgrade this particular security, the 2025 security um, that came out last August to 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 triple C area, and and, and the triple C sort of grouping, you've got yields of like nine, ten percent on some securities, and this one right now yields in the sevens. Yeah. And when it came to market, it was a five point three percent coupon. So that's a big big shift seven's not for long because in the in the end tesla is going to need money and in the past they've been able to go to the bond market to get that money and people willingly thrown money at this company never understood why to be perfectly honest with you and now with the bond yields where they are the capital losses on those that paper is none too pretty yeah and now when they go back to the markets again looking for more funds because they're behind in production they're probably about a billion dollars shy in the capital in for a working capital neighborhood they're going to have to go to stock. They're going to have to issue equity because I don't think they're going to be well-received in the bond market. Well, this which is the means, doom loop, isn't there it? There you go. The there goes the stock adjusts, price. Then. There goes the, the equity stock adjusts, price. When the equity adjusts and the stock price goes through a certain floor, that raises the yield on their bonds because they're, they're, they've broken um, – I can't think of the word they've done. Um, is it in the covenants? They, it's in the they, yes. It yes. is. So if it goes below a certain price, it's it's. It, I'm not going to compare them to Enron, but it is what happened to Enron. When Enron stock went through a certain level, they broke covenants on on loans, which caused that doom loop, as you say again. Yeah, I, I don't and, know what the covenants of this particular security no, are. I, I don't either. Yeah, I, I but I, 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 but I do think it's that classic doom loop. Even if you don't just te- put Tesla to the one side, typically what happens in these cases when you have a company that has a high cash burn and they need to raise a lot of money, the debt starts to fall out of bed. It puts the pressure on the equity because you've got to do the equity raise, right. and then it puts the pressure on the debt again. It Exactly. which puts pressure on the equity. Exactly. And all of a sudden, without a positive catalyst, this can change quickly. Uh, and Lanan, the story at last August was for this security, for this maturity, for this rating, a record low yield. The market lapped this stuff up. Things have changed slowly in credit. Is it a Tesla story or a credit story? It's probably just a broader credit story. I think, uh, you know, if you're looking at the rate environment in the U.S. and uh, it's just, you know... I'm bringing it back to my wheelhouse of uh, foreign stay. exchange and and treasuries and thinking about these kind of 
big tails that we see from from uh, the Fed sort of raising rates while everyone else catches up, right? And so we're seeing a lot of this kind of big tail from people thinking, what's what's going to happen when Europe starts to raise rates? What's going to happen when the BOJ finally decides to head towards the exit door? And so I think that's a broader story that we have to tell rather than just a Tesla story. Lana Newman, sticking with us, Bloomberg FX bond reporter alongside Vincent Signorella, Bloomberg's macro score analyst in New York. Next up on the program, we run you through the week ahead. Of course, they shortened trading week, a shortened trading week because of the holiday, bank holiday Monday in the United Kingdom. European markets, most of them won't be trading in the United States, open for business. But we will look ahead through Tuesday to Friday, payrolls Friday, really the big one for global markets. A preview of that coming up next. You're listening to Bloomberg Radio. This is The Cable with Jonathan Ferrell on Bloomberg Radio. How long can I play this before we have to pay? A whole 30 seconds. Fantastic. What have we got left? Oh, you got 10. Quick, get it off. Get it off. <laughs> FTSE 100 closing positive today. Positive 0.17% on the FTSE 100. The DAX positive by 1.31% on the equity benchmark in Frankfurt, Germany. In the United States, gains across the board. The S&P 500 up by 1.04%. The Dow up by 0.97%. The story of next week, remember, Monday is a holiday, tomorrow is a holiday, Good Friday, Easter Monday, the UK markets will be closed. We fast forward to payrolls Friday in the United States of America and how different the two payrolls Fridays have been so far this year. I don't think they could have been much more different, could they? It was crazy. The January January payrolls report suggesting inflation was coming, February suggesting it was still Goldilocks, and I have no idea what's coming for March. I can bring you the estimates though because Bloomberg do the survey and the uh, the payrolls Friday figure kind of evolves through the week so I'll get up non-farm payrolls for you and the change expected at the moment is positive 185 from a monster 313 in the previous month. The unemployment rate expected to come down to 4% from 4.1% previously and what has become the all important wage growth number expected to climb from 2.6 year on year to 2.7 month on month expected to climb from 0.1 to 0.2 and more importantly egg and a bread (laughs) (laughs) can't even say it seriously it's a thing um pane di pasqua i mean really really Easter bread um, in Italian. I cannot believe this. You found the recipe, Lanan. Yes, and also just to bring to your attention that egg prices in US have surged to close to a record high. That is such a Bloomberg reporter thing to just do. In how time did, for how Easter. the hell did you know that? Look on top world worldwide. Seriously, <laughs> seriously. What is it about Bloomberg people that seem to know all of these random stats about the cost of things? Did you, did you know how much eggs were? No, no idea. I didn't, but Lenan did. What I, does that say about us? Uh, $2.71 in the Midwest. For what? An Easter egg for or an actual egg? For a cost of a egg? dozen eggs, oh, John. Oh, it's cheaper oh, on the East Coast. A dozen eggs. Yeah. I was on the East getting, Coast, it's below two bucks. It, is that how much it is? Yeah. For a dozen? What is yeah. a dozen? Twelve. Twelve. I pay six dollars for twelve. Uh, free Manhattan. range eggs. Free range. Free, free range. range. By the way, the whole thing about free range is such a farce. That means they leave the coop door open. 
and the chickens can go out if they want to. <laughs> and if they actually do step out for like 10 minutes, that's I don't know about you, Vince. Sometimes chicken. I want to stay in. But you know what? I like the option of opening the door if I can. <laughs> I have a friend who, uh, who has a chicken farm, and he does organic eggs. And uh, the people in the supermarket said, your eggs are too clean. You need to throw some feathers in there to make oh, it look Oh, really? To make them look more mm. organic? That's disgusting. Would you put that egg in your bread? I no. doubt it. No, I don't I put eggs in my bread. So. Doubt it. I don't see you putting those dirty eggs in the bread. I still don't understand this at all. Do you cook the egg before you put it in the bread? I don't know. Surely, yeah, you surely must. you Absolutely. put it in a pan and like clean the thing. Well, it's a hard-boiled egg. I mean, it's disgusting. It's yeah. pretty gross. Yeah, but it's not a hard-boiled hard yeah, hard egg, hard but you don't take egg. the shell off. No, it's a hard-boiled egg, and then people you, you paint it. the shell. They paint the shell like an oh, Easter egg. And then what? You don't eat it. Read the recipe, John. I, I, sent just, it to you. I don't think I want to. I think the whole thing just sounds a bit weird. Don't you? I, yeah, I, I've never eaten the thing. I have no idea. I get, can, can I get your thoughts on a bond market before I leave you? Because in about eight minutes' time, we've got to be on TV talking about fixed income. Um, so if you want to help me do the research for Bloomberg Real Yield that begins in eight minutes' time. <laughs> I'm joking. I've done it. Seriously. Um, Lanan, talk to me. It's been a big, big bid coming to the bond market over the last week. Um, and it's a real change, too. Yeah, it is a real change. And I think, um, you know, everyone is worried about LIBOR. We talked about this last week as well, um, you know, with the comparisons to 2008. So people are a little bit on edge. And obviously, the tech route this week didn't help either. Vince? Uh, we, we've swallowed it close to, I think, $300 billion in new issuance without blinking an eye. The 10-year yields... Isn't that incredible? It is amazing. And the 10-year yields just near the session lows around 274. And, you know, as you mentioned, there are issues in, in the corporate bond market. You know, Tesla is not alone. Um, the the Treasury... I'm sorry, the, the trade issue brought some folks to Treasuries. And you get to a point where real yields have climbed to a level where... We, if you don't have inflation and you have interest rates in the 10-year close to 2.9% a couple of weeks ago, that's a heck of a nice return compared to what you've seen recently, and people just ate it up. And twos versus tens in the Treasury market, Lanan, that, that measure, one measure of the yield curve, flat, 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 south of 50 basis points. And a really interesting thing that's happened in this sort of risk-off story is that money has come into the 10-year space, the 10-year maturity, yields have been driven lower. The two-year notes just remain really anchored around this 230 mark and hasn't moved. So it's meant that the market hasn't really taken out the prospect of Fed hikes this right. year, but they're willing to buy the 10-year. And all that's done is flatten the yield curve to south of 50 basis points. And then I guess my question going forward from here is when the two-year note becomes a buy, when this market falls out of bed to an extent that actually people start questioning the Fed's next move. We're not there yet, but I just wonder how close we are. Well, I'd bring your attention to actually the BOJ. I know you want to talk about the Fed, but... No, in, please do. Yeah, in the currency markets, what we've seen is this huge washout in carry trades. So basically, uh, the yen has strengthened beyond everyone's expectations, and now everyone's being like completely clobbered on this carry trade. And so this kind of normal trade that's bog standard, that usually is just an easy gimme in the foreign exchange market, has, has now suddenly been upended by the fact that the BOJ eventually may head to the exit door. So I think that's a really interesting thing that I wanted to highlight. Okay. Um, guys, I'm going to let you go. I'm going to run to the TV studio, and I hope, I hope you're going to enjoy your weekends, your long weekends. Got to make a Pane de Pasqua. Are you going to actually make a Pane de Pasqua? No. No, you're not. Is Vince going to buy one? No. No. no you're going to buy Colomba? They're the really nice ones. They're covered in sugar. They're like Panettone covered in sugar. I'm not a, a sweet Who are person. you? You've got a surname, Signorella? I don't. I'm, I'm not big on sweets. I do cook, though. So do one you, of these what, what will be cooked on uh, Sunday? Um, well, it's what we in the States call gravy. You folks call it spaghetti sauce, I guess, something like that. Bolognese. 
bolognese. Call it gravy. It, yes. Bolognese. No, it's not. It's not bolognese. Actually, with meatballs what, and sausage. Is it, is it and, nice? And it, I'll, I'll bring you some someday. It, can you actually bring some in? Yeah. That would be really nice. Yeah. Could you bring some in Monday? But I. I Probably can, yeah. No, because that, that would just be really nice because traditionally I'd be off on Monday, but okay. I'm not. I've got to work Done. with Tom, oh, and oh. I'd like to eat that for breakfast. Well, it's not really breakfast. breakfast. It's kind of lunch. Well, you know, it just it's sort punchy. of like it make me feel really nice at seven in the morning. I'd be curious Tom if King. you compared it to uh, what your dad made back I, in Italy. Yeah, and that would be a big push. Um, yeah, that would be, be tough. You'd you know, my nonna's from you the have south to add a of Italy. Yeah. We can have this conversation in the commercial break if you want. Vincent Signorella, great to have you with me Bloomberg's very until and Ann Ewan of Bloomberg thank you we'll have you back next week if you'll have us this was The Cable this is Bloomberg Radio